This is The Playbook. I'm so excited because I have another transition leader, a man who has done it on the field and now off the field, Tony Baselli. He's the Chief Growth Officer of All.Health. Welcome to The Playbook, Tony. Oh, thanks for having me, David. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm an average division three football player. So uh, <laughs> I, I've outkicked my coverage in two areas of my life. One, playing football as an average division three player. And of course, my wife, if you've ever met her, that would be the, the more obvious of the two. Um, but for you, you've really outkicked your coverage as well off the field. And I know, you know, when I look at military people, when I look at professional athletes, people just assume that the minute they get off the field, they're able to transition or to translate the discipline and work ethic into whatever it is they're doing. But actually, the numbers are exactly polar opposite. It's very difficult uh, to transition the discipline and the skill sets and character that we have, the teamwork, the leadership off the field. Um, I'm going to start there because you do such a great job at it in the healthcare space. Why do you think so many military people and, and professional athletes have the challenge of being able to transition into uh, their profession that's not the profession they've been practicing since they were five? No, I, I, I mean, David, I think what you just said at the very end probably answers the question pretty much, quite, you know, not totally, but I mean, if you look at professional athletes, and I'll speak more to that because I know that world um, firsthand, uh, but I think you could probably extrapolate some of it also to the military is, you know, when a guy retires, number one, he's young or a gal and, and professional athlete, they're young uh, for the most part. And they, and they're transitioning out of the very thing that they've been passionate about, not just during their work life or their professional career, but when they've been passionate since they can remember. I mean, I think of football, I mean, since my earliest memories are me loving the game of football and wanting to play it. And so you look at my situation where my dream was fulfilled, as you deemed outkicked my coverage. I mean, I'd never, I would have been happy just getting on the field in the NFL. Um, heck, my initial goal was just to get on the field on in high school. Um, and so you reach that and then you have success. And then one day I wake up and I'm told my, because of a shoulder injury, I'm not going to be able to play ever again. The very thing that I'm passionate about and the very thing that has taught me so many great life lessons around hard work and teamwork and perseverance um, and communication and leadership. I mean, all these things that the business world, um, hell, I mean, there's more books written about leadership and the stuff that just came, you know, almost natural to me because of my football career. Uh, but, you know, focused on the business and the very people, the guys and gals who actually have the ability to do that um, are in the military and or professional sports, but they retire and they don't know what to do. I mean, they haven't trained. I mean, I was, I think, 30, 31 years old to get hurt. I wake up, career over, depressed, what I'm passionate about, can never do again. Um, I equate that to think of any professional, uh, you yourself, David, whatever you are great at as far as a professional working, someone told you, um, nope, never again, David, can't do it anymore. You got to go figure something else out to do. I mean, it's a shock to the system. And a lot of times, People don't handle it very well and it's because it's really, really hard. And in that respect, and by the way, congratulations on being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm from Akron, Ohio, marketed uh, way back when with Steve Perry and Merlin Olson and Warren Moon being my business partner. We've had an integral 
place at the hall and to know that your bust is there and well-deserved. Um, but to that end, one of the other things I find fascinating because I do coach a lot of entrepreneurial athletes and military. So uh, I see a lot of similarities because I believe in the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential and a lot of the same characteristics and attributes. But one other thing that is odd to me with military and professional athletes, they both have had coaches, right? But both their entire life, it, you know, you would not be a professional football player without your Pop Warner, your high school, your college at SC. And somehow beyond this, you know, hey, everything stopped today because you hurt your shoulder or you blew out your knee or, or, or you got cut, right? But then there's a resistance to, hey, you know, why I'm going to buy these franchises. Why do you think I need a business coach, Dave? Or, you know, a mindset coach or a, a family coach? Because, you know, that is a new experience when you're not playing ball or you're home from the military every single day, you and I both know one of the biggest coaches you should have is a family, some sort of relationship coach to teach you how to be a part of your family when you're not traveling all the time and everything, you know, is, is doing that. Why is there such a resistance in general to getting coached after you've been coached your whole life? Well, I think it's probably different for different aspects that you just talked about. I mean, I know when I, I'm very thankful, number one, uh, agree hundred percent with you. I would not be where I am without coaches. And actually in my hall of fame speech, I highlighted that, that none of us get to the end without great people in our lives. And I had great coaches. And I think part of what makes guys so successful, the guys who are successful is that we're used to structure and we actually like that structure. And we understand that there's a kind of a chain in command, a chain of command, like, Hey, I'm good with being on a team and I'm good with someone telling me what I need to do and what success looks like. And those are really positive characteristics that go into the work, whether you're the leader or you're one of the players um, or individuals underneath that leader. Um, I was fortunate because because of my faith that I had good life coaches through pastors in my life so that when I did transition, I had someone helping me understand what it meant to be a husband and a father. Like being a professional athlete when it was all about me and it was all about me being ready to go play at a high level, um, you have to be selfish at some level to be great like that. Now transitioning, I needed someone to help me understand, hey, your wife needs this and your kids need this. And you can't treat them the way you treat your teammates in the locker room because that doesn't work. They don't communicate that way. And so I was really fortunate. And I, and I think, you know, the NFL, I'll speak to that, tries to have transition coaches. A lot of times I think guys are, hesitant to use it I think there's a little bit of pride there um you know you're used to being having a coach in football because that's just how it works now you're in life can you admit that you need help that's hard for a lot of people um can I admit I don't know how to be the best dad or father or you know what I don't know the intricacies of business because if I admit that admit that is that gonna put me in a lens of um, inferior, you know, not being quite as good. So I think there's a lot of different reasons. And I also think sometimes, you know, um, especially around professional athletes, they've been taken advantage of by yeah. consultants or people in their lives around business. And so I think guys are guarded. Who do they trust? How do you find that trusted advisor that's not looking out just for him or herself, um, to line their pockets, but really have the best interest of the individual, whether it's an athlete or a member of our military as they transition into the business. So, um, but I, 
I could not, I mean, again, I've been fortunate. Sometimes it was just dumb luck, you know, building relationships. One thing I realized early when I retired is what do I do well and what assets do I have day one? And, and really what I understood, and it was the help of actually my mom who has her PhD. She let me know, she said, listen, you are, you have a strong network, like lean into your network and develop the ability to communicate with that network. And, and so that whatever you end up selling, initially it's yourself, um, that you can sell into your network and you can establish and leverage that to have success in whatever you're doing. And through that network, I met really good people. And that ended up being mentors for me on the business side. So that when I did stub my toe, which I have several times, and when I failed, which I have several times, they could help me pick up the pieces and move on and learn from it. I mean, that's more important than anything is what would you learn from your failure? and your success, but you have to have coaches to do that. So I've been really fortunate. And I think it's a key aspect for military is get the right people. Think, I always think about it as my team. You know, I was successful as a professional football player because I had a good team around me. I had good coaches, I had good teammates. And then if I even take down the offensive line, which I played, I had guys, five guys that surrounded me that we were on the same page and helped me have success. So I think now um, as I look forward and I look at opportunities and, and even in my current, um, business and all health is a big part of me joining that team was looking at the teammates. Who are my teammates going to be? Um, is it the right, do we have the right players in the right positions? Um, and I would recommend that to anyone transitioning like early, like go figure that out. Even if it's a life coach, even if it's someone helping you with your marriage, because if your marriage and your family isn't right, it's really hard to have success, um, you know, away from that. You know, if you're going into an industry, go find someone who's already had success. Spend a little bit of money, you know, and use the fact that you were a professional athlete or you were successful in the military. Because here's one thing I also learned. Everyone wants to actually be around us, too, because they can learn stuff from the characteristics and the skill sets we've developed as athletes and in the military that are very valuable in the business world. And so there's really a good symbiotic relationship that can develop if you find the right team. And you have found the right team with all health and for a higher purpose as well. A lot of people talk about, you know, access to healthcare, but it's really difficult for wealthy people, you know, to understand the importance of it because the truth be known, wealthy people always have access to healthcare uh, because they know it's a priority and a non-negotiable. But eventually, if we're not providing healthcare to everyone and giving access and affordable access, uh, we all are going to be at a detrimental you know, position. Um, for you, why did you get into uh, this space and what is All Health doing to help give access uh, to quality healthcare? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I would actually argue, might disagree slightly, even with the rich people. It's hard for rich people to figure out healthcare in America. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. have a better chance <laughs> because of the resources, which is, by the way, should never be the case in healthcare. Like, just because of your bank account, you shouldn't have better care than someone who has less of a bank account or where you live or anything else. But I'll tell you, as somebody in healthcare um, who has great relationships, um, navigating my own family's um, healthcare, especially my parents, my dad who passed away last year, is really difficult. And not because people don't want to help, but trying to figure out who to talk to, get records, you know, and I think it's even harder now because of the backlog from the pandemic. I mean, I, I have friends right now that have all the means in the world, but trying to get an appointment with their primary care or specialist and figure out how to, it's so hard. Now take that all the way down to the other extreme 
as you look at, you know, some of uh, the people, you know, in this country who live in tough socioeconomic areas that, you know, might be come from a single parent family, you know, working two jobs, like are really good people, like trying to make the right decisions. And now they have to navigate the same system. Um, with limited access, just go do a search of healthcare uh, in any city and go where the higher, more affluent areas compared to the, you know, tougher, whether it's inner city or rural areas that are tougher socioeconomics and go look, do a search and just look at the number of opportunities and places to go. I mean, it's, it's, I've done it and it's, it's amazing. And so we have to figure out a way to create access that's equal to all, that everyone has a chance. There's some equity there that, hey, if you have an issue, like we can help you navigate the system to get the right care at the right time. And we should be able to do that with technology. I think technology for the most part in a lot of areas has failed healthcare. We have not seen it progress like we have in other areas, whether it's the financial or obviously social media and you know, consumer and retail and everything else. So we've really seen that sprint ahead and healthcare has been a little bit more bumpy. And I think we, you know, what I'm excited about health at All Health is we've created a platform that can really knows how to engage the consumer and then help manage that consumer from end to end. Um, and we're really excited um, to even talk about it more. We're going to have an official launch here uh, in the next couple months. Um, and so we're really excited to get into the details of what we're doing, both around providers and payers and really um, reaching the member where they are and making sure that everyone has equal access and ability to understand their healthcare journey and also give like to allow, which would be great, the consumer, the individual to have more ownership of what they're doing. What are the right choices for me to make? What are what healthy choices can I make, whether it's diet or fitness or sleep or whatever it is? Um, what are some of the social determinants around health that I can I understand so that I can live better in, in partnership with whoever my provider is, whoever's providing that? So what I'm, I, I love the All Health team. It's why I joined it. Jose Rothman, our founder and CEO, is a visionary and is top end around you know, consumerism and taking all those learnings that he had and bring them to healthcare. Um, so I'm really excited about partnering with him and the rest of our team to solve some of the big, sticky, tough areas. Um, and I think our platform will do that and, and move the ball down the field and, and help individuals manage their own healthcare journey at a much more efficient, um, with better outcomes. And um, so we're really excited. And I think the pandemic as well, obviously, these hybrid approaches towards education, towards business, any industry has changed and no, none more than because of the pandemic, the healthcare industry, understanding we need a hybrid approach to have integrated monitoring platforms like All yep. Health that allow us to save time and money for unnecessary visits, visits that crowd the healthcare walls uh, because there's only so many beds, there's only so many appointment times where with this hybrid remote and in-person type of care, and then the monitoring side of whether or not I need care, and we can go ahead and, you know, whether you're a diabetic or, you know, just some of the mass issues that exist that cost our healthcare system so much money for non-necessary or Un, you know, not being aware of these things. What are some of the features of the integrated monitoring platform with that hybrid approach that you see saving us or making us the most money in healthcare? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, imagine that. Imagine being able to be monitored twenty four seven, to continuously engaging with a care team to understand really what is your disease risk and where are you on your journey. We're all on a journey. 
David. I mean, all of us. Now, <laughs> some of us are on better paths than others. I need to get on a better path. I mean, that's one thing, you know, leaving football uh, where you had, I had 24-7 care. And I always had someone looking after me and telling me what to do to make sure I maintain optimal, um, you know, level of output and live a great life. And so I'm passionate. Like, how, why can't we do that for everyone? I mean, why not create a way to integrate um, pulling data off an individual and a bunch, all the third-party data out there and, and, and making it meaningful both to the individual, but connecting it back to a care team. I think that's the important thing. Um, I'm passionate and about our health care in this country from the standpoint, I think we have a lot of really great people in healthcare. Um, doctors, nurses, I mean, we've talked a lot about the pandemic, but we have a bunch of executives and administrators that want to do the right thing. They're mission-driven individuals and want to take our existing healthcare infrastructure and provide better care for people, better access, better outcomes, lower the cost of care. I really believe that. The majority of people I've worked with um, since I got into healthcare in 2012, man, they're passionate about serving people. And so our platform is, we are coming to partner with the existing healthcare infrastructure. So think about health systems and providers that want to give better access, want to reach out and to create a platform and, and a technology that can monitor them 24 seven and take all that data and synthesize it. And so that the output is meaningful, both to a care team and individual. Cause I think that's the gap right now. Um, you know, how do you make sure that the data is flowing to the right people? Because I, I mean, heck, you, you send it to me, what am I gonna do with it? I don't know <laughs> what it means. Um, that was the great thing about being a professional athlete. Like they had the data, they had the information, they'd tell me, give me the insights. And like, and now I want, we really wanna do that for everybody. Give everyone that opportunity to have that kind of connection um, with a care team that's really helping them to make those right choices and to give them the nudges and the pushes and the information of how to live. And the technology's there and we built a great platform. Um, and we want to make sure it's available to everybody. Well, Tony, you're addressing the number one non-negotiable in my life. And I try to encourage others to put it as a priority, even before their family, their faith and their finance, your health. And the reason is if you're healthy, you get as many wishes a day as you want. When you're unhealthy, you only have one wish. All health is providing many wishes to many people, non-determinative of where you live and how much you make. It's an extraordinary opportunity for people to address their number one non-negotiable of health. The chief growth officer of all health, the incredible pro football hall of famer. I love saying that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Trojan himself. He'll be there forever. Those busts, they talk at night. They say, we wonder what he's talking over with Marshall Falk and, and uh, Warren Moon right now. Tony Baselli, thanks for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.